Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Joab is running. He's running scared. He's running towards the tabernacle there in Jerusalem. And he bursts into the courtyard and he looks around and and there he sees it. The brazen altar. He has to get there and he goes and he grabs these horns that are on the front of the altar and he hangs on. He's basically asking for mercy. He's saying, please don't kill me. Joab, tough commander of the army, is asking for mercy? From who? Well, we're in 1 Kings chapter 1. And we're seeing King David. He's about to die. He's weak and feeble. And he's starting to lose a little bit of the grasp of his kingdom. Because David is king, and the person who's supposed to follow him as king is his son, Solomon. Well, sadly, while David's weak, and not the total in-control king that he used to be, one of his other sons rises up to try to take the throne. And his name is Adonijah. Adonijah is older than Solomon, And so, like all the other kings around there, he should be the next in line. All the other kingdoms, the dad dies, the oldest son then becomes king, and Adonijah thinks he should be king. And it also says that Adonijah is handsome. And like Absalom, remember him, he was handsome, and I think Adonijah was charming and he was fun, and he thought, I'm gonna be the next king. Instead of obeying what he knew, Yahweh had told his dad that Solomon is gonna be king. Instead, he says, no, I want to be king. Because Adonijah was not only handsome, inside, where it matters... He was a bad dude. The Bible says here in 1 Kings, it says something interesting that David never told 
Adonijah off. Never corrected him. Adonijah would do something naughty and David would just pat him on the head. Oh, boys will be boys. Or he was never around because he was too busy fighting battles or writing decrees or writing psalms even. Maybe he was doing something good, but it says here that he never corrected him. Hey, kids, if you're listening to this, I want to say if you have a parent who takes the time to correct you, you should be thankful. If you're doing something wrong and your parent tells you off or punishes you in some way and, you know, maybe you're listening to this podcast because you're grounded, I don't know, you should be thankful that you have a parent who cares enough to correct you because there's lots of parents who don't. It's too much work. I'm too tired after today's work. I don't want to do it. I might hurt the heart of my child. I don't want to do that. We're best friends. No. If you have a parent who corrects you, you should be thankful. And dads and moms, correct your children. First Kings is an indictment on David for not doing that very thing. And Adonijah grew up to be all cocky and a know-it-all and full of himself and handsome. And because of that, he's probably charming and fun. And he says, I need to be king. And he's popular amongst the people. So he starts to act like a king. And he starts to have chariots. And he starts to have men running and riding before him. He starts to walk around all lavishly treating himself as king. And then one day he decides to hold a feast. And at this feast, they are going to celebrate and yell, Long live King Adonijah. And that day has come. And so he heads to the place where you celebrate a king, and that's over there by one of the springs. And so which spring does he head towards? He heads towards Enrogel. Now there's two springs that water Jerusalem. One is Enrogel, and the other is Gihon. Well, Adonijah is going there to Enrogel, and he's going to a specific place called the Serpent Stone. And he invites all his brothers, all except one, Solomon. And then he invites all the bigwigs in Jerusalem, all except... He doesn't invite Zadok the high priest, Nathan the prophet, or Beniehu, commander of the thirty. He happens to leave them out. Why? Because he knows their hearts are loyal to David. But you know who he does invite? Abiathar, another high priest. And Joab, the commander of the army. That's who he invites. And guess what? They go. Abiathar goes to celebrate Adonijah at this Enrogel, to celebrate at this feast to make him king. And so does Joab. Why? I don't know. Joab was loyal to David against Absalom. Why is he jumping ship here with Adonijah? Maybe he sees David really is about to die and there's he better go with the power that be. Even though Joab probably knows God wants Solomon, he goes with the circumstances and he says, let's jump ship and go with this. 
Abiathar, the high priest, should have known better, and so should have Joab. But they go to this feast at Enrogel, where they are celebrating Adonijah as the new king. Well, the news gets out. And it gets to Nathan, the prophet. And he goes to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and says, Listen, unless you stop this, unless you do something... You and Solomon are going to be killed because they're celebrating Adonijah as king. Bathsheba's like, what? What are we going to do? So Nathan and Bathsheba come up with a plan, and it's a simple plan. They go tell David, and Bathsheba bursts into the bedroom of David or wherever David's being taken care of and says, listen, we're in trouble, me? one of your favorite wives, and your son Solomon, who's supposed to sit on the throne next, we're going to die after you're dead because Adonijah is promoting himself as king. And as she's explaining this to him, in bursts Nathan. And Nathan the prophet says, Listen, all these people have been invited to this feast except for me, Zadok the high priest, and Benihu." the commander of the 30, the commander of your crack troops, the Chelethites and the, and the Pelethites. Remember those, David? Remember those crack troops? Well, Benihu, me, Nathan, and, and Zadok, the high priest, we remain loyal to you, but the rest have gone after Adonijah. We're in trouble, David. If he promotes himself as king, Bathsheba and Solomon are dead and you know i can imagine they're yelling and they're trying to make their case and david says stop bring me zadok nathan you stay here and benny Yehu. and so those three all show up and david says i want you to get me the royal mule now that doesn't sound too exciting right I mean, if you're going to be king, I would want to ride a royal horse. But see, back then, if you were going to be king, you rode a mule in the ancient Near East. Why? Well, if you rode a horse, you might be seen as a little too cocky, a little too powerful. So you wanted to come across as humble, so you rode a mule. Nothing as bad as a donkey, but a mule, which, you know, could still look majestic, but a little humble. So I am a humble king. Well, anyway, they had a royal mule with royal saddles and a royal look, and everybody knew what the royal mule looked like. And David said, put Solomon on the royal mule, and I want you to go to the spring of Gihon, the other spring that waters Jerusalem. And Rogel and Gihon, both important springs. And around these springs, you would have hold these official ceremonies. Well, Adonijah's at Enrogel celebrating himself as king. And David said, I want you to get the royal mule, put Solomon on it. And this day, I want Benny Yehu, Zadok, and Nathan. I want you to lead this procession. I want you to blow the trumpet. I want everybody to know that Solomon is king. And so they do. And they're blowing the trumpet and they're beating the drums and they get to Gihon and they celebrate Solomon as king and they pour oil on his head and they inaugurate Solomon as king. And they blow such a noise, it says in the Bible, that the noise of celebration split the earth. What they mean by that is not that it literally split the earth, but that the noise 
these springs were about a mile and a half apart, that noise began to rumble down there in Enrol Gel. And as they're celebrating, all of a sudden, thump, thump, thump. They feel the thump of the other ceremony happening. And they hear the cheer and they hear, long live Solomon the king. And they drop their chicken bones and they drop their Big Macs. What? And it says as fast as that feast had been brought together, it disappeared like that. People ran to get away from Adonijah as fast as they could because they realized Solomon had just become king. And they also realized if they were around Adonijah, it would look like they were trying to usurp the throne with Adonijah, which they were. But then Solomon would want to kill them, so they all got out of town fast. And there is poor Adonijah with all the spinning plates and bowls in front of him, all by himself. So what does Adonijah do? He takes off running. And he runs up the hill to the tabernacle. And he comes to that brazen altar with the horns. And he grabs hold of him and he begs for mercy. Well, Solomon as king is brought back up to the palace. And he sat on the throne well, Adonijah's like, please have mercy on me. And the message gets back to Solomon that Adonijah is asking for mercy. And Solomon says, if you promise to not let evil rise in your heart and to, to raise up against me, I'll let you live. Well, the news gets back to Adonijah and he comes up to the palace and it says he kisses the ring of Solomon and pays homage to him says, I'll, I'll, I'll be your follower. I'll be your obedient subject. Well, we don't know how much later. Maybe a couple days, maybe a month or two. But it says that David died. Died at the ripe old age of 70. He had ruled over Israel for 40 years. Well, before he passes away, he calls Solomon in. And he begins by saying, hey, first of all, Solomon, if you want your throne to be established forever, if you want your sons and their sons to reign on the throne of Israel, do this one simple thing. Obey God. Obey the law. Obey his precepts. Obey his commands as they're written down. Obey him. Obey the Lord. Be obedient. And then David says, as I'm about to die, though, I need you to do something about these three people. And he names three people. He says, first of all, I need you to take care of Joab. Remember Joab, the commander of the army? Well, he killed Abner and Amasa for no reason. And he has blood guilt on his head. And he has blood guilt round his belt, the Bible says. And he's a bad dude, and, and you need to do something about him, which basically means you need to kill him, Solomon. And then he says positively, hey, remember Barzillia? Please let his children continue to eat at your table. He showed me such kindness when I was running away from Absalom. Please show graciousness and kindness to his kids. 
And he says, remember Shammai? Well, you got to do something about him. Now, Shammai was that guy, right, who threw rocks at David as he was leaving Jerusalem, as he was running away from Absalom, and he cursed him and said all these evil things about David. Then when David came back and had regained the kingdom, Shammai comes up groveling and says, please take me back, I'll be loyal, I'll be, I'll be loyal. Well, many people think now, as David's about to die, Shammai is flexing his muscle and is becoming disloyal again. And David knows this. And he's saying, hey, you've got to do something about Shammai as you think is best. Then David passed away. And he's in the presence of the Lord as we speak. And I'm looking forward to visiting him. And I've got so many questions for him. Well, David dies, and now Solomon is king. Well, remember his brother, Adonijah? Guess who pops his head back up again when the dad is dead, and Solomon is just starting out his throne, his kingship? Guess who pops back up again? Adonijah. And Adonijah comes to Bathsheba, Solomon's mom, and just makes a simple request of her. Hey, hey, Bathsheba, could you talk to Solomon and please tell him I would like to have the most beautiful woman in his harem to be my wife. I would like the most beautiful woman that is part of his harem there to be my wife. And Bathsheba's like, who's that? And he's like, please, please, I've fallen in love with Abishag. Is that not a beautiful name or what? Abishag. It's a horrible name, but Abishag was a beautiful woman. That's what First Kings says. She was one of the most beautiful women in all Israel. Now, who was Abishag and where did she show up? Well, Abishag was basically David's nurse and his human hot water bottle. That's what she was. She was his nurse and his human hot water bottle or his human electric blanket. See, David was old and he couldn't keep heat anymore. And it says there in 1 Kings they would put clothes and, and blankets on him to try to keep him warm and nothing would keep him warm. Well, back then medical practice was if you can't keep warm, hug a human. And so if you were wealthy enough, you would have a human sleep with you in bed to keep you warm. And so they found Abishag, who could keep David warm at night while he slept, and then be his nurse during the day. And it also was, she happened to be beautiful. Some people think when Solomon later writes the Song of Solomon, which is all about love and other things, one of the love poems he writes is to Abishag and her tremendous beauty. That's what many people think. Well, either way, Abishag is hired and basically becomes part of his harem. She never had any of David's children. And like I said, she was there to keep David warm at night and to take care of his needs as his nurse during the day. Well, Adonijah says, please, I've fallen in love with, with, with Abishag. Can she become my wife? Now, this seems nice, right? And maybe Bathsheba's thinking, hey, this is a beautiful Hallmark moment. Let's do this because this could be a great Hallmark movie, Abishag and Adonijah. Let's do it. And so she goes, yes. And she goes and talks to Solomon. Hey, hey, Solly. Hey, Solomon, listen, listen, your brother Adonijah. He loves Abishag. Could he marry her? 
when Solomon hears this, his face drops and he turns to his mom and says, no. And I'm thinking, Bathsheba's thinking, what? What's the big deal? Is she, she's a single woman. She hasn't had any kids. She's unattached. Oh, wait, she's not unattached. She's part of your harem. And Solomon says, listen, if he marries Abishag, Adonijah would have a claim on the throne. See, back then, when the king died ahead of you, you inherited their wives and their harem. That was part of the whole thing. You got the lands, you got the cattle, you got the money, you got the servants. Hey, you got his harem too. That was part of it. So when Adonijah, if he married Abishag, he's basically saying, I want part of dad's harem. I'm making a claim on this throne. And Solomon is thinking he's still got Shammai who's on his side. He's got Joab on his side. He's got all these popular people. And if he gets Abishag and lays some weird claim on the throne, this is Adonijah raising his head up to try to take the throne once again. And so Solomon turns to Ben-Yehu and says, Listen, Adonijah has to die. He broke his vow. This wasn't some simple request for love. No, this was an attempt to take the throne. It really was. So ben he departs, finds Adonijah. The Bible says simply, he struck him down. Well, when Abiathar and Joab hear that Adonijah is dead, they're thinking, uh-oh, our time is up. And so Joab takes off for the altar to beg for mercy. And Abiathar, I don't think he gets very far because it says that Solomon calls him in. I don't know if they grabbed him and arrested him, but, you know, Abiathar is the high priest at this point, but Solomon's like, enough is enough. And he says, Abiathar, you, you blew it big time. You let my dad down. You basically stabbed him in the back by going after Adonijah. And he says to Abiathar, you deserve death, but because you carried the Ark of the Lord, because you were a high priest before God, I'm going to show you mercy. And he says, I want you to, number one, you will never be high priest again. You lose that office. And the Bible says, the minute he said that, Solomon fulfilled the word of the Lord that God spoke years before to Abiathar's ancestor, Eli. He says, because of your sin, Eli, I'm going to rip the high priesthood from your family. And Abiathar was the last in line. And now God fulfilled that promise through Solomon. See, God keeps his promises. Well, Abiathar is no longer high priest. And he says, you now have to go live in a town called Anatoth and never leave that town. If you live there, if you stay away from here, you will not be killed. That's the last we hear of Abiathar. Well, Joab, he's running, right? And he grabs the altar, the horns of the altar, and he's pleading for mercy. And Solomon hears of it. And he sends Ben-Yehu down to the tabernacle to get Joab to come out. 
come out. And Joab knew what that meant. If the king had sent Benihu to call Joab to come out, that meant, come out, Joab. You are about to be killed. And Joab says, no, I will not. He sticks by that altar. I don't know if he's a chicken or if he's just like, if I'm going to die, I might as well die here. Well, Solomon then says to Benihu, go in there and kill him. Because as the king, he has the right to ignore this plea for mercy, and he does. And Benihu, it says in the Bible, went in and whack, struck Joab down. Now, the final person who David had said, hey, Solomon, you better watch out for. The final person is Shammai. And Solomon calls in Shammai and he says, listen, you deserve death, but you know what? I'm going to show you graciousness and kindness. And at the beginning of Solomon's reign, you see a real wisdom here. He could have killed Adonijah right away, but he showed wisdom and gave him a chance. Adonijah failed. And here he gives Shammai a chance. He's showing wisdom and kindness and grace. He says, Shammai, I'm going to let you live. But here's the deal. You have got to stay in Jerusalem. You can build your own house right here in Jerusalem, but you have got to stay here. You cannot leave. You can leave a little bit beyond this certain border, he says. But if you cross that border, if you cross that line and leave that area, if you leave Jerusalem ever, you will be killed. So Shammai agrees. And I think, again, Solomon's showing kindness. And he's basically keeping his, his enemies close. You know, I can watch you. I can see what you're doing, Shammai. And so for three years, Shammai stays there. But then it says that Shammai hears that a couple of his servants have run away to a town called Gath. And it says that Shammai, he's like, I can't put up with this. So he saddles his horses and takes the rest of his servants. And they go to Gath to get these runaway servants. But the thing is, Gath is not in Jerusalem. Gath is miles away. Shammai broke Solomon's one rule. Now, why would you do that? All you had to do was stay in Jerusalem, which is a pretty big city for that time. All you had to do was stay there and you could live as long as you want. Why would you do that? Do you think he forgot? No. Probably what happened was this. Shammai didn't care. Remember, many people think Shammai was starting to build up strength and power under David. And David said to Solomon, watch out for Shammai. Well, after three years, Shammai was starting to flex his muscle. He's like, I'm starting to get my old footing back and my connections and my power. And I'm just going to see if Solomon, this weak king, does anything. And so he breaks the rule and he comes back and Shammai is arrogantly shoving his fist in the face of Solomon saying, I don't care what the rule is. I don't care. Well, guess what? Solomon does care. And he takes Shammai. And whack! Shammai is dead. 
And 1 Kings chapter 2 ends with this. That the end there, the kingship, the rule of Solomon is finally and thoroughly established. It says there, so the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. David's dead. Solomon is now king. I just want to say that the life of David is fascinating, you know? We come to the end here, but we, we find with David a man who the Bible says is a man after the heart of God. He was a man who, it says, that you know, loved Yahweh and had a heart for Yahweh. And no other God was he going to serve but Yahweh. But he was also a man who committed murder. And he started out so well. He was this sheep herder protecting the flock. And then he fights Goliath. Then he runs away from Saul. And then he becomes king. And then things are going great all the time. He's following the Lord, being loyal to Yahweh. And then he sins with Bathsheba. And then the rest of his reign is sort of downhill from there with his family rising up against him. And he was a terrible dad. And he was starting to lose disorder. But through it all... David loved the Lord. David loved Yahweh. And Yahweh blessed him for it. And I think in many ways, David can be best summed up through one of the most favorite psalms of all time and one of my favorites, Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, David began as a shepherd, and he's saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even after he sinned with Bathsheba, God granted him grace and forgiveness. And David's saying, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And remember how many times in his story that David faced death again and again. And we thought, this is the end for David. But God brought him through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And I think right here it ends so well. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David died, but that's where he is, with the Lord, with his beloved Savior. Let's make that our big lesson from David. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't. He did horrible things. But he picked himself up again, and he confessed, and he repented, and he said, I'm going to fix my heart on the Lord and be loyal to him again no matter what as best I can and he walked forward 
And I pray that that can be said of us. No matter how bad we fail, no matter how bad you think you've sinned, the Lord is gracious and kind and will forgive us our sins. And if we confess, we can find mercy. God the Father says, if you want to come to me, just follow my son, Jesus. Put your faith and trust, put your believing loyalty in Jesus. And Jesus alone, if you do that, if you confess when you sin, and you pick yourself up, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus and say, I'm going to follow him and the promises he makes me, and I'm going to trust him for the rest of my life. If you do that, you're walking like David. You're walking like David. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.